Good morning. It does seem like a, a good morning. I hope you all slept well. And if perhaps some of you didn't, maybe you can still feel some sense of appreciation for the sun, the crisp, cool, sunny, early spring day. So last night I gave an overview of the process that we're entering into here. And I spoke about how sati, mindfulness, is not a standalone practice. It's always supported by other skillful mental qualities. And those other skillful mental qualities help make sure that mindfulness is developed in the service of insight, of the kinds of transformative understandings that lead to freedom. So last night I talked about seclusion, inner seclusion and outer seclusion, and how that inner mental seclusion is really crucial if our practice is going to deepen. So that inner mental seclusion is the mind that's at least temporarily free from afflictive states. So as you might remember, I shared some of the opening lines from the Satipatthana Sutta, where we're invited to, quote, put aside greed and distress in relation to the world. In other words, we seclude our mind so that we can gather our awareness here, here in just this moment. We <coughs> let go. We let go of any entanglement with the past. We let go of fantasizing about the future. We let go of any mental involvement with anything at all. And instead, we connect more and more fully with our immediate embodied experience now and now and now. Sounds simple, right? But as I'm sure you all know from your own experience, unfortunately, we can't just tell ourselves, let go of all our habitual preoccupations and distractions, just relax, calm <coughs> down. We can't make the heart-mind settle. And in fact, trying to force it to do that only creates more stress and unease. What we can do is understand what are the conditions that support us to experience ease and what are the obstacles to that ease. So then with that understanding, we can release what gets in the way and strengthen what supports the beautiful qualities of heart and mind to grow. So for those of you who are familiar with the Buddha's teachings, this is an important aspect of right or wise effort, which as Di mentioned yesterday, I like to frame wise effort as relaxed diligence. Relaxed diligence. And I do this because in English the term effort, when we hear the terms like right effort or wise effort, at least for me, that term effort, I can almost instantly feel a sort of slight tensing, tightening, bracing. And there's that assumption that it means we need to push, to strive, to control our experience, to make something happen. Now, this might sound pretty counterintuitive to most of us. But in this practice, rather than trying to make something happen... 
we're settling back and allowing things to happen. So it's about allowing rather than making. And this term relaxed diligence is really pointing to that balanced, sustainable effort that supports the mindfulness to lead to insight. So again, mindfulness, sati, is a capacity just to know our experience as it actually is without getting lost in thoughts about it, without clinging to it, without resisting it, without taking it personally. So the highly regarded Thai meditation teacher, Upasaka Ki Nanayon, she frames mindfulness as unentangled knowing. Unentangled knowing. And again, all of this sounds so easy. But even if I was to say to you, okay, just sit here and for the next two minutes I'll set a timer, just be continuously fully present, just for two minutes. Don't know about your mind. <laughs> but within seconds the mind reverts to its usual habits. Wandering, worrying, fantasizing, ruminating, planning. And sometimes we don't even recognize that's happened until a bell rings and we realize, 45 minutes, wow. <laughs> so I sometimes joke that even talking about mindfulness of breathing as a meditation practice is a total setup. And more accurately, we should call it mindfulness of thinking with some breathing. <laughs> And actually, it's, it's somewhat a joke, but if there is even a few moments of mindfulness that we are thinking, that's good practice, and we'll be working with the mind later on in the retreat. Now, one of the reasons that we can't just stay with the breath, or whatever our anchor is, is because we need a second quality of mind that helps us to stay steady and present. And that quality is known in Pali as samadhi. And samadhi is the mind that is stable, steady, gathered, undistracted, unwavering, unified. Now one of the reasons I use these Pali terms is because in English, the usual translations, they often have unfortunate connotations. So this term samadhi, as many of you know, is often translated as concentration. But again, similar to the term effort, as soon as we say concentration, at least for me, I f find my mind, my brow sort of furrowing and my attention narrowing and this kind of, uh, the associations of concentration with fixation tend to make the mind tight which actually gets in the way of true unification or absorption of mind. True samadhi comes from a relaxed and steady presence. So to develop clear seeing, to develop insight, we need both sati, or mindfulness, and samadhi, or steadiness of mind. And these two work together to support each other. And in the discourses, uh, they use the metaphor of two hands washing. So it says sati and samadhi are like two hands washing each other. We think we get a direct sense from that metaphor how we need both for our practice to be effective. Unfortunately, though, for 
most of us, the conditions of our ordinary everyday life tend not to support this samadhi, the steadiness of mind. Often quite the opposite. Many of us are pushed into multitasking, overstimulation, habitual distractedness and busyness. So when we do sit down to meditate, it's not surprising that our minds are often all over the place, jumpy, agitated, restless, scattered, distracted. So just to normalize, this is really the common experience of the first few days of a retreat. And we usually just have to remind ourselves to sit patiently with however the mind is. And one analogy that's sometimes used for this process is it's a bit like training a puppy. Some of you may have had a puppy. We sit the puppy down on a piece of newspaper and we tell it, stay. What happens? Within seconds, it's jumped up, it's running around. We gently bring it back to the piece of paper. We sit it down. We say, firmly, kindly, stay. And we do that every time it moves away until eventually the puppy understands what we're asking to do. And then it obediently stays sitting there in one place for as long as we want it to. So from that analogy, hopefully it's clear that we need to be kind to the puppy, just like we need to be kind to our minds. If each time the puppy jumped up, we whacked it and dragged it back, shouted at it, eventually the puppy's not going to come back at all. So in the same way, we want to encourage the mind to come back with kindness. And maybe, maybe it's stretching the analogy too much, occasional dog treats. <laughs> so maybe you're wondering, what are the dog treats in our meditation? Well, when it comes to training the mind, the reward is the pleasantness of being present. I mentioned this last night. I'm very grateful to Bhikkhu Analio for highlighting this aspect of the practice. Because the more we can keep tuning in to the subtle pleasantness of simply being present, that pleasantness can strengthen and deepen, become the contentment, the happiness, the joy, times even the bliss of more strongly developed samadhi. So in this morning's meditation, we'll continue exploring mindfulness of breathing. And we'll be using the experience of breathing again as what we call our anchor or our primary object or our home base. But I'm going to invite us to explore the breath in two slightly different ways. One, using the breath to strengthen sati or mindfulness. And then the other, using the breath to strengthen samadhi, steadiness of mind or absorption. And I want to offer these two slightly different approaches to mindfulness of breathing. Because in my own experience, it wasn't always clear that there were these two different ways of working with the breath. And when I realized that, it helped to refine my practice. So the first way of practicing mindfulness of breathing is to calm and still the body and the mind, to strengthen samadhi, steadiness, unification. And when we use the breath for that purpose, we just let the attention rest 
on the simple rhythm of the breath coming in, the breath going out. And then whenever the mind wanders, we gently bring it back. So we're not paying attention to the details of the breath. We're just staying connected to the awareness of inhaling, exhaling. Very simple. And the more we keep coming back to that simple experience, eventually the mind stays there for longer periods of time. And for most people, this experience of being absorbed into or unified with the breath is pretty pleasant. It gives our nervous system a rest from its usual overstimulation. And at times, as the samadhi deepens, we can experience a stillness, a calm, a steadiness and peace that perhaps we might not have even realized was possible. So this taste of samadhi can really build confidence in the practice. So we begin by simply returning to the basic knowing of breathing in and breathing out and that develops steadiness stability of attention and then when we have that samadhi that steadiness it becomes easier to connect to a wider range of experiences so at this point we can shift to the second way of practicing mindfulness of breathing and this is to strengthen sati or mindfulness So with this approach to the breath, we're refining the attention to notice change, to notice change on increasingly subtle levels. So instead of just resting the awareness on the rhythm of breathing, we can start to notice the details and the differences between each breath. So as it says in the Satipatthana Sutta, we start by knowing whether the breath is long or short. And then from there we can pay attention to all the subtle physical (coughs) sensations of each breath. So physical sensations like expansion, contraction, tension, pressure, release, warmth, coolness, tingling, flowing, lightness, and so on. There is a whole world of experiences that we can know within each breath. And noticing these subtle changes connects us to the truth of impermanence, which is a a key insight in Vipassana practice. So perhaps to help you get a sense of these two slightly different ways of approaching mindfulness of the breathing, I sometimes use the analogy of someone surfing. Now, I haven't surfed myself other than body surfing, but I've watched a lot of surfers. And maybe some of you here have surfed or are surfers. But you probably know that when a surfer is out in the water and they're waiting for the right wave to come, the surfer, she's just spending time bobbing up and down in the swell. And when she's waiting for the right wave, the swell isn't of that much interest. She just simply knows that she's moving up and down with each small wave. So she's attuned to the basic rhythm of the waves, but she's not paying that much attention to the detail. So this resting on the surfboard and just knowing the rhythm of the rising and falling of the waves, that's like mindfulness of breathing to develop samadhi, to develop steadiness of mind. 
then when the right wave comes along, one that the surfer wants to catch, she has to really refine her mindfulness. So at this point, when she's caught the wave, she's really tuned in to all the subtle movements of the wave. Otherwise, she's going to lose her balance and fall off. So she's now noticing the speed of the wave, the texture of the water, the force, the direction. She's noticing the feeling of the air against her skin and the balance of her body on the board and the temperature of the water, the presence of other surfers, or maybe the presence of sharks. So this stage is like mindfulness of breathing as an insight practice. We're training ourselves to become more and more aware of all the details of the experience of breathing so that we can recognize increasingly subtle details of that experience. Now in actual practice we often move pretty naturally between these two different modes of mindfulness of breathing. But at times it can be skillful to deliberately work with one more than the other. So, for example, if there's a lot of agitation and restlessness in the mind, we can use the simple rhythm of breathing to help the mind calm down. And often we need to emphasize this more at the start of the retreat because most of us are calm from pretty busy lives. However, there are times when the breath can become too calming. Maybe even right now you might notice the rhythm of the breathing at times can lull us to sleep. So in that case, it's helpful to shift to paying more attention to the details of what's happening in the breath. And this usually raises the energy in the mind and helps us stay more connected. So I'd like to give us an opportunity to try that out now. I'll start the instructions by orienting to the samadhi aspect of the practice developing more steadiness and calm. And then when we have some degree of stability, we can refine the mindfulness aspect to start noticing more of the details of the breath. So let's give that a try. 